Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Wait 5 Minutes, the Floridian podcast. This week, the toxic algae bloom that is sweeping the coasts of our state and how a cycle of corruption leads to the death of thousands of living creatures. Before we get to that, a recommendation and an update. The recommendation first. If you know me, you know that all I do is listen to podcasts. I'm an avid listener and seem to add to my catalog of podcasts every single day. I'd like to take a moment at the beginning of every episode to give some love and recommend another Florida-based podcast that I really enjoy. This week, I'd love to give some love to Townie Talks by Townie Taurus, hosted by my dear friend, Jen DeWitt. We worked together back when I was in college, and she was technically my first real boss. Her podcast perfectly conveys her personality. She talks with notable Orlando citizens about themselves and their passion for the city that they call home. And as an Orlando citizen myself, Jen has always been a bit of a guidepost for me of where I should be eating and spending my time. I treat her Instagram sort of like a guidebook. And that's what makes her show so fantastic. It contains that same energy and is just a joy and, and wonderful to listen to. Okay, now for an update. Last week, I discussed the history of immigration in Florida and the impacts of federal immigration laws on local politics and the immigrants in our state. On Tuesday, NBC News reported on a plan from the Trump administration that would limit the ability for legal immigrants to receive citizenship or receive green cards if they participated in a large number of public welfare programs. This is part of a plan by White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller that would limit how many migrants become legal citizens each year. The plan would affect legal immigrants who have used, and I'm quoting NBC directly, Obamacare, children's health insurance, food stamps, and other benefits. NBC also reports that some experts estimate more than 20 million immigrants could be affected. The plan is not in place as of yet. For more information on this, I recommend checking out the NBC New articles where the story broke. It's the first link in my bio below. All right, on with the show. In July, Governor Rick Scott declared a state of emergency for several coastal counties due to the toxic algae bloom that is killing marine life by the thousands. In an official statement, Governor Scott said, quote, As governor, it is my duty to protect Floridians no matter what it takes. Today, our state is once again facing a crisis from water releases controlled by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. This has prompted me to issue an emergency declaration so our state agencies can do anything in their power to minimize the harmful impacts these releases are having on our communities. Unquote. He goes on to discuss the usage of federal funding to repair the Herbert Hoover Dyke, which is located on Lake Okeechobee, which would increase the amount of water the lake can store. He blames Congress and the federal government, saying they need to make the construction a priority as it is a federal project. The blame placed on Congress is certainly beneficial to Scott's Senate campaign against incumbent Democratic Senator Bill Nelson. Their race for the Senate is one filled with conspiracy and pointed fingers. However, before we discuss the politics of the algae bloom, what exactly is a harmful algae bloom? The Environmental Protection Agency defines harmful algal blooms as overgrowths of algae in water. They note several main effects of the algal blooms. The first and most prominent is the, quote, extremely dangerous toxins that can sicken or kill people and animals, unquote. They also create what are called dead zones where there is less dissolved oxygen in the water. The National Ocean Service reports that these zones are most commonly caused by human pollution creating these algal blooms, which decompose and consume oxygen as they do so. The Ocean Service also reports that the second largest dead zone in the world is in the northern section of the Gulf of Mexico. 
The EPA goes on to list the causes of harmful algal blooms, which include sunlight, slow-moving water, and the release of nutrients into said water. Nutrients is a technical term for man-made pollution that releases nitrogen and phosphorus into bodies of water. The EPA states that these nutrients often come from agriculture, stormwater, wastewater, and the usage of fossil fuels. So what exactly is releasing these harmful nutrients into our state's water? Well, the primary sources of this pollution are the sugarcane fields, notably the ones around Lake Okeechobee, according to clean water activists. Wink News, a Tampa-based station, spoke with a sugarcane farmer who refutes these claims. Some activists are saying that the excess water should be sent south, but this farmer disagrees, saying that sending the excess water south would affect our Everglades. She also states that it is universally known fact that about only 5% of the water in the lake is from sugar farmers. TC Palm, the Treasure Coast-based newspaper, reports that many of the nutrients entering Lake Okeechobee are from runoff from farms in the area. This runoff was created by Hurricane Irma, which hit the Sunshine State in September of last year. In addition, the mud at the bottom of the lake is stirred up by wind, releasing even more nutrients into the water. So how does the water from the lake spread? Well, via the Okeechobee Waterway. The Okeechobee Waterway is a man-made system of interconnecting waterways with five locks along its length that are used by the Army Corps of Engineers to drain water from the lake along the length of the rivers. The main two rivers that are used in this waterway are the Caloosahatchee River, which ends at Fort Myers on the west coast, and the St. Lucie River, which ends in Stewart on the east coast. One such structure managed by the Corps is the aforementioned Herbert Hoover Dyke. This structure sits on the banks of Lake Okeechobee and holds back water from pouring into surrounding communities. The structure is notably weak, which is why the water from the lake is being drained into the waterway. Approximately $550 million are being spent this year to repair it, which would allow for more water to be safely stored in the lake, preventing the spread of such harmful things as the algal bloom. The Herbert Hoover Dyke was built after a massive hurricane struck South Florida in 1928. This hurricane flooded Lake Okeechobee and killed 2,500 to 3,000 people in the surrounding area, some three-quarters of whom were black migrants living and working in the area. The levee was built over the course of a decade and by 1938 covered over 80 miles of shoreline along the lake. After another hurricane hit less than a decade later, the state government wanted to expand the levees further. It was finished in the late 60s and the dike system is now 143 miles long. In the past two decades, several environmental reports have led the state and federal governments to believe that the Herbert Hoover Dyke needs significant repair. The money being spent on its repairs are actually coming from a hurricane relief plan from the federal government. The water has been moved into the Okeechobee waterway in the past, which is why over 100 miles of the coasts have the algal bloom. But now the murky water is being moved south as a means for storage and to possibly be broken up by the Everglades themselves. This is under the governor's order as he moves to put himself on the winning end of a Senate race in which environmental concerns are becoming an increasingly focal point. This Senate race is one of the most prominent as November 6th approaches. The two most prominent candidates are mainstays of Florida politics in the past decade. The first is our governor, Rick Scott, who is running as his terms are up as governor, where he has served for eight years. His competitor is Democrat Bill Nelson, who has served three terms as a Florida senator, meaning he has served for 18 years. If he wins, he will have worked in Congress for 24 years. The debate over the algal bloom has led these two men to point fingers as tensions rise and the death toll increases. The left is blaming Scott, saying that he weakened the state's Department of Environmental Protection by cutting the budget. 
A PolitiFact article from 2014 shows this to be true, with less money being spent at Florida's budget on the DEP in the early years of Scott's governorship. The right is pointing back, however, calling Nelson a centrist and stating he's a, quote, election year environmentalist. Regardless of both statements, Rick Scott is the governor of Florida opposition at the state level, and Bill Nelson is a senator from Florida opposition at the federal level, and frankly, placing more of the blame on Nelson is illogical, as Scott is obviously the politician with more state-based influence. This has nothing to do with how you should vote on these two. Rick Scott has made mistakes, and in an election year, he's working to undo those mistakes. But is that possible? The TC Palm provides a strong connection between Scott's actions in the past and the current spread of the bloom. They report that in 2011, when Scott took office, the Florida Department of Environmental Protection and the South Florida Water Management District both took major hits. The blame is being placed primarily on these two candidates, but neither of the men are pointing fingers to the more obvious culprit, the sugar industry. The Miami Herald reports that some of the largest areas of land in the Everglades agricultural area are owned by sugarcane growers and other farmers. In February of last year, these farmers told the Senate that they would not be willing to sell their land in order to build a reservoir to support the Herbert Hoover Dyke and Lake Okeechobee. So, the sugar industry, sometimes called Big Sugar, is refusing to give up the land. But wait, there's more. The Orlando Sentinel posted commentary from reporter Scott Maxwell in which he breaks down all of the governmental ties and financial ties that Big Sugar has. Bill Nelson is number five on the list of senators who received the most money from Big Sugar, with a grand total of $30,500 in 2018. The article does not list the specific amount Rick Scott has received this year alone, but it does state that over the years, Rick Scott has received over $600,000 from the sugar industry. Both of these candidates receive significant donations from an industry that is one of the primary causes of the algal bloom. Both of these candidates have not openly blamed the sugar industry, instead blaming the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers and Congress. Both of these candidates are using the algal bloom as an opportunity to play politics and blame the other as a means to gain favor as the midterm approaches. Pardon an injection of my opinion here, but that is, I mean, that is unacceptable. Real people are in danger. Our environment is in danger. Using it as a hot-button issue feels immoral to me, but that's just me. The algae bloom is often also called a red tide, which refers to the animal deaths related to this type of event. National Geographic lists some of the type of animals among the thousands dead. The list includes, quote, millet-fish, catfish, pufferfish, snook, trout, grunt, and even the massive goliath grouper. There are also, quote, crabs, eels, manatees, dolphins, turtles, and more. They ingest the algae while feeding, and Nat Geo says they become essentially comatose and then die from the toxins. There is no official count, but the USA Today reports that the death toll for sea turtles is at 400. Just on Wednesday, the TC Palm reports that an environmental survey in the St. Lucie River shows the toxins at 110 parts per billion. The World Health Organization states that this toxin is dangerous to touch at 10 parts per billion. That means the toxins in the river are over 10 times higher than the WHO standard. USA Today is reporting on the impacts on humans that the algae bloom leads to, including respiratory illness, headaches, and gastrointestinal problems. They also report the opinion of one Miami-based doctor, Dr. Walter Bradley, who says that the Florida Department of Health is likely downplaying the crisis, quote, because of the effect on tourism, unquote. I know there's a lot to this story and a lot of information related to it, so I'd like to break it down into a few points that you can walk away with. Here we go. 1. 
After Hurricane Irma and a historically high amount of rainfall in May, Lake Okeechobee is overflowing with water. This water has a high amount of nutrients in it from the surrounding farms, leading to a harmful algal bloom. 2. The Herbert Hoover Dyke located on the shores of Okeechobee is old and damaged, meaning it can't sustain the high amounts of water currently being held in the lake. 3. The water could be drained south, but sugarcane industries own that land and won't sell. Many politicians receive money from the sugar industry, including Governor Rick Scott and Senator Bill Nelson. 4. Since the water can't move south, it has moved into the Okeechobee waterway, sending the harmful algae blooms into estuaries and the ocean, affecting sea life, public health, and the tourism industry. 5. The governor has ordered some water to be moved south instead of into the waterway, and is ordering the Army Corps of Engineers to repair the levees on Okeechobee immediately. So, what's next? USA Today says that the algal bloom may last until 2019 as the algae is commonly broken up by cold fronts. The News Press, a newspaper based out of Fort Myers, which sits on the western end of the Okeechobee waterway, suggests a few other remedies. One is the Caloosahatchee Reservoir, which can store the toxic water being drained from the lake. Another option would be allowing Okeechobee itself to store more water by repairing the levees on its shore. Regardless, USA Today says that the algal bloom may last until 2019, as the algae is commonly broken up by cold fronts. Until then, keep an eye on the Senate race, as I'm sure these two politicians will continue to use the algal bloom as an opportunity to place blame on each other to build support as November approaches. As for the gubernatorial race, the Tampa Bay Times reports that, of the popular candidates, the only one still receiving money from the sugar industry is Republican candidate Adam Putnam. Commissioner Putnam is currently down in the polls against his opponent Ron DeSantis, according to the Times, by 20 points. In a debate on Wednesday, the two butted heads on several topics. In relation to the algal bloom, DeSantis took several shots at Putnam, saying the latter is in the pocket of Big Sugar. The Tampa Bay Times reports that Putnam's campaign and his PAC received $804,000 in contributions from the sugar industry so far. The Times goes on to say, quote, He's also received $7.6 million from five political action committees that receive a significant portion of their contributions from the industry, or one out of every $5 he has raised. DeSantis, who received an endorsement from the president last week, said that he is in favor of draining the water south and will fix the problem with, quote, any approach. More on that race next week. The harmful algal blooms are a serious danger for our state, and political corruption and lack of federal funding led us here. The only thing to do now is vote. Remember, the midterms are August 28th, so be sure to determine your voting location in advance. Next week, on August 17th, I'll give you a rundown on all the main elections and their candidates. Until then, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please consider subscribing or consider leaving a review on iTunes or consider sharing it with someone who you think would be interested. It would really mean a lot. I'm really proud of this and, and I'm very grateful for the people who have listened so far. It would really mean a lot if you could share it with someone else uh, so that the conversation can grow. If you have a question for me or have a topic about Florida you want to learn more about, you can email me at wait5minutespodcast at gmail.com. That's F-I-V-E. I look forward to hearing from you. Our theme song is Good Thoughts by Lobo Loco. 
All the websites and articles used in the research can be found in the episode description below. Until next week, be good to each other, be good to yourselves, and please drink more water. Environmental Protection Agency defines harmful algal... Oh. The word algal is very difficult to say. <laughs>